hello there. Welcome to the IWS podcast. I'm your host, RJ, and I have a very special guest today, my man, Carlos Del Rio. How are you doing today, Carlos? Doing fantastic, brother. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate you. Yes, sir. Absolutely, man. I know we had a very riveting and exciting conversation <laughs> a couple of days ago. So hopefully, at least. <laughs> hopefully we'll capture some of that magic again uh, as we go through and actually get to record it this time. But I really appreciate you for being here. I think we're going to have a very engaging discussion that a lot of the listeners will be able to appreciate and hopefully take something away from the conversation. So I always like to begin and start by letting the guests give a little bit of background about who they are, where they're from, and really talking a bit more about their family dynamics and their environment. Because in my experience, for a lot of us, that really shapes our perception as we get older. So if you don't mind, if you could talk a little bit about your lived experiences growing up in your in your household. For sure. Yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, my name is Carlos Del Rio. I am 26 years old. Um, my, my dynamics are pretty interesting, I would say, um, but um, a blessing and, and I would say a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, I was born in the Dominican Republic. It was a little tiny island in the Caribbean, right next to Puerto Rico, right next to Cuba, right next to Jamaica. Paradise, truly amazing. Um, <laughs> really, honestly, can't phrase it better. Uh, it was wonderful growing up there. Um, I would always be in nature. There was, you know, beaches, rivers all the time. Um, my parents specifically, like, they actually got separated when I was about four. Mm. Um, so, and my dad used to travel a lot, like, and I mean, like, out of the country. He was either in Venezuela, Puerto Rico, or here in the U.S. Um, so I would, I wouldn't see him very much. Um, it was, it was cool. Like he, he would call as much as possible. He would never miss my birthday and stuff like that. He would always try his best, um, which was wonderful. Like even though my parents were separated, they had a really nice communication. Like they would, they, they would make sure that. Mm. Um, they will make sure that I will have both my parents in my life, which is amazing. I know that, that not a lot of people get that, that blessing. Um, and, and once I turned about 10 or 12, um, I actually started traveling myself. Um, and I, it, and this is why I say it becomes a little bit more interesting because I would do a year with my dad and a year with my mom. Um, oh, so wow. I would be, yeah, so I would be a year in Puerto Rico, a year in Dominican Republic, a year in, the, in New Jersey, in two years in New Jersey, and then uh, two years in, in the American Republic. Um, and by then, uh, by this time, I'm in high school, right? So I did two, uh, I did half of high school in the American Republic, and, and I finished high school in New Jersey. Okay. Um, I grew up um, in Pasig, New Jersey, um, which is the hood, uh, for lack of better <laughs> words. Uh, like there, there was gang violence, there was um, a lot of poverty, a lot of um, um, scarcity mentality. It was, it was, it was at the time, I didn't know, like it was, you know, the United States. So I was like, you know, I, I, I don't know, like I made it. It's cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but once I went into uh, college, actually, um, and I went to William Patterson University, it's like basically the suburbs in Northern Jersey, okay, about 30 minutes from, from New York city. Um, kind of re I, that's kind of when I learned that I was from the hood. Um, cause you know, I was around it. I was around there by a lot of, um, wealthier individuals. Um, yeah. and they were like, wait, um, there were, there were gang fights after school. I'm like, yeah, like all the time. You guys didn't get that. Like, I don't, <laughs> so, <laughs> like, well, uh, a little, little different, a little different, a little different. Um, but yeah, like when I got there, I was like, I realized I'm like, Oh, so like not everyone would dress up like this. All right, cool. 
Um, mm-hmm. But it was awesome. Like I, I, I was always social because I was always traveling. So like I made friends and stuff like that. Um, that I still like friendships that I still hold to this day. Um, graduated from there, got my bachelor's in psychology. Eventually moved to Arizona, um, where I live now. I live in Phoenix, Arizona right now. Um, and about what like this year actually, I just got my master's in uh, special education and applied behavior analysis. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. And yeah, so it, it's been a lot of traveling, um, but it's, it's honestly been wonderful. And, I, and I've and I've had the blessing of always having both my parents in my life. Um, and yeah, like it's it. Yeah, it's been that's about it for from a background. Man, that's that's ex- that, that's extensive, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. we, we, we got to make sure we unpack and appreciate the gravity of everything you laid out there. I mean, just mm-hmm. the I mean, for me, I would say, number one, I'm always a big fan of when I hear that parents regardless of whether you're together or not, that you effectively communicating and co-parent together, right? Mm -hmm. Because every child needs both of their parents involved in their life. And so I'm glad that regardless of whether they were together or not, that they seem like from your perspective that they were able to work effectively together. Now on the flip side, man, talk about a a journey of traveling. You're right. Like I feel much more stationary compared to you. (laughs) You over here like I was in DR, I was in PR, I was in New Jersey. I'm just, I'm all over the place. Yeah. Um, but it seems like you you were very much embracing that type of maybe nomadic lifestyle, if you will. Definitely. So it, it seemed like that worked for you. Um, and then you said, you know, finishing up school here in New Jersey. So I'm sure that was maybe a little different of experience compared to doing high school in DR. Definitely. But I want to go back to what you were talking about, recognizing you were from the hood. Right. Because I, I think that the reason that goes to the crux of why I even asked the question. You don't know anything different because it's all you know, right? For you, it might be a little different because you you actually traveled to different countries and you had to live in different environments. So maybe there was some compare and contrast. But for a lot of us, when we are relatively stationary, meaning maybe I grew up in one, possibly two places, maybe we moved once in my childhood. But for the most part, we stayed, we stayed somewhere for a period of years before we would leave. It might be much harder to really conceptualize what you just said. I don't even recognize that I lived in these types of environments because it's all I knew. It's not until you meet other people who, like you pointed out, didn't experience a lot of these things. Maybe they didn't hear gunshots. Maybe there weren't liquor stores on all the corners. Maybe there weren't uh, carjackings or people getting robbed or people Mm -hmm. generally feeling unsafe. Maybe the schools in their environments, like the public schools or private schools, were in better condition, better funded. Mm -hmm. We don't know any of that stuff until we actually compare it. Until somebody else tells us something different to challenge what we think to be true. And that's the reason, the main reason why I even asked those questions, because we don't know any better until we usually become of age. And hopefully we've had an opportunity to challenge our thinking and maybe evolve in some ways, you know? So I'm hoping that somebody might maybe be able to appreciate what you were laying out there, because I think for a lot of us, we don't recognize it until maybe until we get into a, a, a rough situation and realize maybe that hasn't impacted us for a very, very long time and we just weren't really aware of it. So that can, be, that can be very, um, it can be an interesting dynamic to try to learn to appreciate. Yeah, um, we, um, I, I learned that you, sometimes you carry things with you that you don't know you're carrying. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that awareness and especially that exposure to our other cultures and other ideas, um, I believe really helped shaped uh, who I am today really allowed me to like, honestly, for lack of better words, to level up. Um, yeah. And yeah, like I think 
I, that's why I love what we're doing right now because that exposure really um, is powerful. Mm -hmm. um, no, I'm, I'm I'm with it, man. That's and that's that's you know a big part of the platform is hoping that other people, but particularly other men and young men, mm -hmm. can maybe appreciate a bit of what we're discussing because hopefully some of it resonates with them, and they see that there can be more to life than maybe what they see only in their immediate environment. You know, because seeing is believing, as we say, and it's hard to imagine things you don't have around you, you don't get to witness personally. So hopefully this will, you know, this will help somebody. But piggybacking on what you were mentioning at the end about your education, getting that master's in um, special education and behavior analysis, I want to ask you a little bit about some of your time, maybe in your career, that you may have had an opportunity to work in the field. Like, what motivated you to help you to want to earn that degree? Uh, yeah, for sure. So I, um, to a little bit of background, I like most uh, Latinos, uh, <laughs> I wanted to be a doctor, medical doctor when I went to college mm -hmm. um, for my bachelor's. So I was going to do biology and all that and like go for pre-med. Um, but I ended up taking um, psychology 101 and I like just clicked, fell in love with it, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. I honestly didn't know anything about it, but I knew that it, it, it was my calling. So I decided to go for it. Again, my parents are super supportive, so they're like, "Yeah, like we got you as long as you're uh, as you're continuing to move forward. It's all good." Um, but do it, while I was getting my, my bachelor's, I was working at restaurants. I was working. Um, I was just make doing whatever I need to do to yeah. pay for my bills because um, yeah. I had books to buy, I had car payments, all this stuff. So I, I worked at multiple different restaurants. I worked at fast food. I worked at fine dining. I did management. I did bartending. I did a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. um, but when I graduated, um, I was introduced to the, to the opportunity here in Arizona to come work at a charter school with kids with autism. Oh, okay. Um, so, um, like, while I was in Jersey, um, I, I basically met a friend who worked here, um, and he told me that he would love um, to introduce me to his, to, his, um, to his leaders and everything and see if it's in alignment. So honestly, I, I sent my resume um, virtually. They told me they were very interested. So I grabbed my savings. I came out here. Uh, I basically interviewed, had a job here seven days after moving here right away. Um, so that was really helpful for sure. Yeah. Um, and I had um, I had love for, 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 for the autistic community um, because I grew up, one of my cousins actually, he um he's about a year older than me and we grew up together in dr um and he never had services he never actually got um mm. it was his mom doing everything um mm. and and now he's a grown man and everything and he he, ne he never actually had services so i knew that i needed to do something to like learn um how i can help that community yeah and you know like i i i, I never have anything against like starting from from the bottom especially if you don't know anything so i started sure. as a I started as a teacher's assistant, basically um, providing behavioral support. I was working with like, the toughest cases in the school. Um, I was dealing with aggression. I was dealing with um, bites, like like literally anything that you can imagine, like chairs flying, um, punches, all the things. Like I, I was trained in, in restraints and all that stuff. Um, and I worked there for about a year. Uh, like but the last few months, actually, my teacher was absent like a lot of the time she had a lot going mm -hmm. on. Um, like most teachers do, like they have a lot to, to, um, to deal with. Oh yeah. Um, 
but that meant that I had to step in into the teacher position. So I would literally have four classrooms that would rotate of kids of different age groups, of different um, behavioral um, like needs um, and stuff yeah. like that. And I would work individually with all of the kids. Um, and that was definitely very challenging. After that, I realized that I do not want to do that. Uh, <laughs> I was like, nope. That was enough uh, of that. That's enough of that. I did it for that year. Um, and I, I ended up actually getting multiple offers for clinics all over the valley. I wanted to be work for them because like, you know, bilingual a male with um, behavioral experience and a psychology degree, like it, it they, I, I, w- I wasn't concerned about getting a job. Um, mm-hmm. to point. Um, so I ended up choosing um, a really awesome clinic actually that had beautiful supervisors, like really, um, really knowledgeable supervisors who knew a lot about the field uh, and they did training, both group and a lot of one-on-one training as well. So anything that I needed, they were right there to give me feedback and help me out. Yeah. Um, it went from me working at a classroom to working one-on-one with the kiddos. Um, so that was a lot of weight off my shoulders as well, because I had a classroom of like eight, nine kids, all yeah. behavioral, uh, to moving to one kid at a time. Again, here, um, I still was working with like the toughest chat, the toughest um, cases, um, the most, not toughest, but the, the most challenging cases. Um, a lot of kids who were, that were nonverbal, a lot of kids that um, aggress, that engage in self-injurious behavior, um, whether it was biting themselves, whether there was, um, there was a lot of that for sure. Yeah, uh, I love the work. Uh, it was incredibly rewarding. Um, the parents love me. The kids love me. I love the work itself. I got a promotion, so I was making more money. Uh, I felt like I felt felt great, honestly. Like I, I loved it. Uh, soon after that, I got I got accepted into into my master's program. So I'm like everything everything's coming t- together beautifully. Like this is great. Uh, and I got accepted into my master's program February of 2020. Um, so <laughs> well, I, I was like, this is great. I think, I I think we know what happened the next month. You know, um, I was like, I have, I have savings growing. Like I was like, everything's coming together beautifully. Um, and then the clinic started closing out. Uh, parents started taking their kiddos out of, the, of sessions, which meant I would literally just lose like chunks of eight hours um, per week um, yeah. just because I wouldn't have a client. Um, and I had trips that I had to cancel and everything like that, all of that. But I was like, okay, cool. Like, it's all good. But at the time, um, I had this idea that, you know, we'll get back to to the normal, like whatever, whatever that normal meant. I was like, we'll get back to it, mm-hmm. this and that. Um, the clinic just uh, kept having to close um, or like parents would literally take the kids out. And like my finances were taking a hit, but... I love the work. Um, I it, it, it was in alignment with the schooling that I was getting, mm-hmm. and a lot of my supervisors already had the masters that um, the degree that I, I was in pursuit of. So yeah. I was like, I'll do it. It's all good. I was basically working part time at the clinic, so I decided to start my own business. Um, like, literally, just did virtual coaching because everyone was asking me, like, Yo, how are you staying in shape during the pandemic? And I was like. Cool. So I started doing coaching for friends and family um, and, and I would just do virtual coaching, like Zoom yeah. calls and stuff like that. I would write uh, programs for them using behavioral principles and the stuff that I've learned um, in my own experience. Um, so amazing results. Like literally, it was it was really a rewarding work as well. Mm. Uh, I was exhausted because uh, I was <laughs> out of my own business. I had to do social media. I had um, my master's program. I had to get uh, supervision hours. It was 
wild. And I did that for a whole year. I did it all the way towards like, like literally July, um, not July, um, yeah, June, 2021. Okay. Um, but a month before that, before I, I, and that, and, and these dates are important because by that time I got, I started realizing like, Hey, like this is not sustainable. This is not something that like I, I want to continue to do. Um, and my wake up call was when I was diagnosed with depression in May of 2021. And I was really confused. I was like, wait, what? But like, I don't understand. Like, I, I have psychology degrees. I have uh, an amazing support system. Like, like I understand that, like, COVID just happened. There was a lot of trauma. Like, I know sure. all of that stuff. But, like, I don't understand, like, why I have literally clinical, literal clinical dep- depression. Um, and I went to, I went to a, a, um, a psychotherapist. Not, yeah, not a psychiatrist. Yeah, a psychiatrist, actually, I went to. Uh, I wish I went to a psychotherapist. I went to a psychiatrist uh, and um, I had two sessions with him, basically two really short sessions. And he um, immediately just, here, meds, um, you're just giving me the antidepressant meds. I honestly, he never really asked me about my habits. He never really asked me about my diet. He really never asked me. He never even pro- like proposed some coping skills before actually moving into medication. Um, got it, got it. And yeah, like I ended up... Um, Doing what he what he told me and everything like that. Um, the following month, the same month that I quit my job, I put my month notice. I got a call from my dad's friend telling me that he fell he fell um, victim to alcoholism. Like he ended up like really 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 ill. Um, I took a flight out there while in my, my master's program, so I was literally um, getting my master's while helping him like get everything under control, cleaning his room, calling um, his insurance company to get, get him help and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was not about it because he's a macho man uh, and he is not going to get help from people. Uh, so, you know, I only right. had a week there. Yeah. I only had a week there. So I did the most, the best that I could. I sat with him. I helped him out the best that I could. I called his insurance. I literally set appointments for him and everything. Um, but then I had to go back. And when I came back um, to, to work, my, my boss told me that because I already resigned, the PTO that I accrued for two years working there, wasn't, uh, they weren't going to um, honor it. So wow. I didn't know how I was going to pay rent the, the following month. I was like, wait, uh, what? <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I, and, I, and I was like in awe. But Honestly, at this like the following month, I I, I actually started a strategic a strategic partnership with a superfood company here in, in actually here in California, um, that like allowed me to really step into what I wanted to do and my mission of like basically sharing the message of generational health and wealth for our communities, mm-hmm. um, and I was able to do that and use that as a vehicle to um, do my business, which at the time what I wanted to do was do like coaching sessions for, for kids with autism, um, basically health and fitness. Cause I, I saw a lot of, a lot of problems in that, in that area and no support yeah. in the entire Valley. Um, and, um, yeah. So after that, like, um, I, I really stepped into my, into my business. And ever since then, like it's, it's been, um, it's just been growing and it's been uh, like, just been wonderful. And I, now that I graduated, now I can actually have a lot more time <laughs> sure, and, sure. yeah and I get, I've been diving into my business and and yeah like it's been going amazingly for sure like and I'm doing presentations in front of like so many people in Spanish and English and like really doing what I'm what I feel like I'm called for um yeah and, yes sir 
No, we we love that, man. Yeah. Again, you said so many good things there. I, I appreciate yeah. all the all the vulnerability. Like, oh, sure. I I think it's it's so important to to acknowledge that because they have so many different things that are going on in life in real time, and trying to navigate that and balance that it can be very very challenging. Which is yeah. exactly what I what I digested from what you said. Trying mm-hmm. to manage going to grad school, trying to navigate family challenges. If you know if a loved one falls ill trying to navigate financial hardship when mm-hmm. you're having that issue. Like, you know, that is really unfortunate that you weren't able to utilize your PTO like that. Two that years. can hurt a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. You said two years. Like that's really hard to, <laughs> to deal with, you know? So shout mm-hmm. out to you for being able to make it through that. But regardless, you found a way not only to get through that point, but then an important thing I think that you mentioned that I want to make sure I highlight is I decided to then start to work for myself mm-hmm. and recognizing that, there was a change of the work dynamic because, and this happened to a lot of people, right? In the pandemic, I had a position, it's not here anymore, or I have a position, hours got reduced. Mm -hmm. So I have to find a way to make it through. How am I going to make ends meet? And some of us pivoted and tried to do something else. Even maybe while we were doing our normal job, maybe we just left it all together because maybe it wasn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. And I can really resonate with you, man, because Like like you in that regard, I worked at a school and um, they were slowly reducing hours and reducing hours. It, it was a college, but the point was mm-hmm. the ability to provide was being impacted. And mm-hmm. at some point got faced with a similar decision that it sounds like you did as well. I got to decide, am I going to mm-hmm. keep kind of waiting for them to hopefully help me out or for things mm-hmm. to resume normalcy or I got to try something different? And I opted to go into full private practice for myself. So I can definitely empathize with you going to do things on your own. And uh, I think, you know, there is a certain level of freedom, obviously being able to do things of your own accord, but obviously there's more risk. So you got to be comfortable with making sure that you're doing everything possible to not only survive, but thrive. It's so a lot think, of challenges. I, I, yeah. It's a lot oh, of challenges yeah. and things that you have to learn when you, you go into oh, business. Yes. So, like oh. it's a lot of uh, like, just a lot of high expectations that you kind of have to detach from, uh, especially, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, but it's an amazing, like, honestly, I feel like that's, it has been the most powerful learning experience of my life. Yeah. Um, even though I've only been doing it for about two years, I've, I've, I've gained so much knowledge about myself, about how business works, about the world, um, that I, uh, I always um, recommend that to people. Like, if, if that's an option, like, at least look into it, uh, mm-hmm. look into it. Um, and yeah, especially like, like people like, like, like you and I, who have specialized knowledge in something, um, it, I wanted to make sure that I serve as many people as possible. And at, and at the time of the clinic, I wasn't doing that. Um, right, right. So by stepping in, like into my own business, I was able to help more people. And now I'm literally helping more people than I really thought it was possible. Uh, like if you asked me a year ago, I was like, no, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're uh, right. You're right, man. <laughs> Especially with, which I think was also cool is being mm-hmm. able to have this space, like being more, mm-hmm. many people being more open to the idea of doing things virtually. Right. Yes. Cause I'll say in the field of mental health, it, we mm-hmm. are definitely old school in that way. Very much, you know, you come in, you sit down and, and we do the work in that traditional sort of way. Um, Things got very interesting, just like what you said, going into March of 2020, because many industries, I know mental health was not just one of them, but many industries had to learn to do things virtually. And some of us had never been trained or prepped on how to do that. So we had to 
do these things on the fly. But as you said just a moment ago, seeing as where we're at today, how you can get you can get a lot of services done virtually. You can get you know groceries brought to you. You can order a lot of things online. Like there has been a, a certain level of I think access that maybe wasn't there. So just to give like a quick example, in mental health, a lot of times you would be locked to maybe the immediate vicinity or region that you're in. Like mm. maybe, maybe that's the city, maybe that's the town, right? Because people, the expectation would have been people need to come to you. In some cases you might go to them, but more often than not, you want them to come to you. Mm. That wouldn't be practical if they're like three hours away. You know, like they're not gonna do that once a week or mm. even yeah. once every other week. They probably don't wanna have to do that. But when you have this idea of telehealth and being able to do sessions virtually, well, now I've unlocked the entire state. Now I can see anybody in my state. So, and then if you're licensed in multiple states then you can see them wherever you are. But the point is it increased the av availability and the accessibility for a lot of us. So that was a big, big change. And when you talked about doing virtual coaching, I'm sure that that maybe made it a bit easier as well. Cause you have potential clients that are more open-minded to that idea and not thinking like, Oh, I only need to be sitting in front of you in order for this to be effective. But I don't know right. if you want to add anything to that. No, definitely. I mean, honestly, I 100% agree with that. Like my clients, when I was doing the virtual coaching for when I first started, I had clients in New Jersey. I had clients in Pennsylvania, living here all the way here in Arizona. Um, so mm. that definitely really helped. Um, and especially during the pandemic when we couldn't even actually see each other. Like yes. I, I, there was people that I couldn't work with. Like even if I wanted to, I couldn't really coach them one-on-one in person. So uh, the, like the virtual side of things really helped um, in, in reaching a, a higher population of people. Um, and yeah, like it, it's, it's powerful. It's powerful for sure. No, I agree, man. I think it's, I think that has been, you know, there, it's hard to find things to be optimistic about from mm -hmm. the pandemic, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit but that's yeah. one of the that's one of the things that i think is a general takeaway is accessibility now is it maybe to the scale that we would like where everybody can access everything no of course not but i think it is better than maybe it, it would have been had we not made those adjustments because then a lot more people would be having hardship or difficulty or, or possibly suffering because they can't get access to people because yes we were at different points not able to see anybody so I think that's one of those things that, you know, it's a it's a very strange way to some to look at it. But sometimes there are ways and things that you can take from horrible situations, challenging situations, difficult situations. But you just mm -hmm. got to be willing to to try a different lens. But and kind of speaking about that, when you were talking about getting depressed and getting diagnosed from that psychiatrist, because uh, I want to make sure I go back to that. Do mm -hmm. you remember outside of just seeking out the services from the psychiatrist, did you ever try to seek out any other services from a mental health provider either at that time or even or even in the past? Uh, so honestly, no, um, I, I didn't really look too much uh, to keep it 100 with you. Mm -hmm. I was in a really deep hole. I just needed help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my finances were tough. Um, like we're in a really rough position as well. So I just needed to make sure like I needed to get someone that I can and like actually pay for it. But I also didn't want to settle for someone that like didn't know what they were doing. So I, I looked for some of the top people here in the state. Um, but that also meant that my most of my insurance wouldn't wouldn't cover it. And the, med yeah. the medication wasn't covering it under my insurance and stuff like that. Um, so I, I didn't actually um, like look 
around too much. Uh, I just, I, I, th- as a as a Latino male, for me to just even find somebody was an amazing. Like <laughs> it yeah. was just, I know oh, you did it. Wow, that was awesome. Because um, I, ne- mm-hmm. I didn't have anyone around me. I didn't know anyone in my family who ever, uh, especially uh, males in my family who search for for services. So um, I didn't even know who to look for. I, I literally felt like I was by myself. Yeah. Um, and I I found somebody. I was like, okay, they're knowledgeable, whatever. I went with them, and eventually, like, uh, I realized that that wasn't the person for me. Um, and luckily, um, I w- I had the 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 presence of mind to uh, move away from that person because mm. that that wasn't the person for me. <laughs> uh, but like most people uh, don't understand that you can look around. Uh, and at the time, like, I, even though I did know that I could look around, um, I, I, I was so confident in this doctor and I was so, uh, I was so basically blinded by the degrees and like the high rise office and all that stuff. Like I was like, Oh, like, yeah, they know what they're talking about and, and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, but, um, Again, to to be vulnerable and keep it at hundred, like I was given medication without even um, actually trying to solve the problem of the root. Like they were kind of just like it was like a coating on top of my problems. I, yeah. I felt like I felt like um, I, I couldn't feel my feelings. Um, I, I honestly felt like a robot. I felt like I was living on autopilot. Um, but I listened. I I followed the prescription because that's another thing that I know that a lot of all Latino community doesn't do. They don't follow prescriptions. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, no, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do what he's telling me. You do what they're telling me to do. Yeah, because otherwise, like, I, I wanted to not just say like, oh, like I changed my mind. Like I want, like I listened to, to exactly what he told me to do. Um, I honestly felt like a little bit better, but I still didn't really. I wasn't um, anywhere close to where I wanted to be. Sure. Um, so I, I went back and I let him know, and I was like, hey, like, um, I did what you told me. Like, what do you suggest? And he suggested I take more meds. Uh, and, and it was just, uh, at that time I realized that, um, that's not what I wanted. Like I walked mm-hmm. out of there with a prescription and immediately started looking for other, for other options. Um, and especially more holistic options and other, other ways that I can actually take care of my body and my mental yes. health without having to add, um, a bunch of chemicals that like after the research that I've done, like it's disrupting my, my actual brain. Yeah. Um, so I honestly, I, that was around the same time that I, I I partnered with a with a superfood company, and I was able to really get my my nutrition in, in check and get my gut health specifically in check. Like it's nothing that that's nothing that I ever done before. Mm-hmm. I never actually w- was intentional about caring for my gut health. Um, then I realized like two weeks into my my nutrition program, I felt happy again. <laughs> I felt all my feelings again, um, and I felt energized. I wasn't sleeping all day. Um, I like everything was just coming together. Uh, mm-hmm. And I started realizing like, wow, so like, what if I if I would have gotten my habits in check or even, um, cause I also was reading books. So I, I gained more coping skills um, that I could have been doing a lot better. Um, so uh, again, this is not me saying that like, hey, if, if you're giving prescription meds or like meds are bad, medication is bad. Right, right. I'm, don't take it. That's not what I'm saying. But in, in my experience, that's not what I needed at the time. Um, sure. I need to get my habits in check and I need to gain some uh, knowledge from, on more coping skills. Um, yeah. And once I had that, I, I haven't, honestly, like it's been a, over a year now, I haven't needed any depression meds. I haven't needed anything along those lines. I am looking, I am currently uh, looking for um, a psychotherapist, but 
uh, I want to make sure that there uh, is someone that's focused on fixing uh, the issue. Like, I don't think I have an issue now, but like um, making sure that if I, if they do find something, they're going for the root of 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 the issue, not just trying to like paint over it, basically and cover right. it up. No, absolutely, man. And mm -hmm. again, I, I appreciate you sharing that. It's yep. we don't want to just address the symptoms. Sometimes they're important, right? Sometimes yeah. they help us direct and point to maybe something else that might be going on. For those of you that have never been in therapy, mm -hmm. um, you might only know some of the experiences that you're having, like what Carlos was sharing. You might see, I am sleeping a lot or I am feeling nervous a lot. Maybe you don't even know the word anxious. You're just like, I'm just nervous a lot or I worry a lot or I'm scared a lot. So you might not know the emotional language that we may use. So the fact that you know you acknowledge that is great. And to your point about the medication usage, I would say as a therapist, I'm very much in favor of utilizing it as a tool, not as the end all be all uh, for, and I'm going to try to make that point again. Yes. Because again, this is not against people with medication. Mm -hmm. If you utilize medication, it's not a problem and it's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. However, you got to understand you have to use that in conjunction with therapy. So medication is a tool. And then we add therapy with that to address the root cause, which is exactly what Carlos was just speaking on. We put those together, we can actually see real progress. We can see real change, but it takes time to work through that. For some people, I will tell you, I believe we talked, we touched on this in our initial call. Some people, depending on what they present with, what their issues may be, they might not be very emotionally stable. They might be all over the place, very erratic behavior, we would say. I can't engage in therapy with you when you're all over doing this. I can't because you're not mentally stable and grounded enough to actually receive what we're mm. going to share. And you're not going to be able to be very vulnerable probably in the way that we need to, in a productive way. You might, what we would say, emotionally vomit all over me and just like let it all out, mm. but that's not constructive. We got to, we got to do this step-by-step step in a very delicate way. So sometimes the medication is a method or tool to get us to stability, and then we can start engaging in therapy to start unraveling and, un and discovering why maybe you're anxious or depressed or fearful or you know whatever those thoughts may be. So that's a way that it could work. And to further emphasize that point, unless you have a truly debilitating issue, right? Something that you, you will never be able to fully function the way that you want, many people don't need to be medicated permanently. You might need it for a period of time to help you, again, get stability, do your work so that you can address those core issues that caused you to reach out to the psychiatrist to get medicated in the first place. And then you can slowly taper down over time. And if you don't know those things, those are definitely things to share with your, your provider to get that understanding. For most people, they don't have severe and persistent mental illness. We go through periods of time like adjustments, if you will. Seasons. <laughs> uh, yeah, seasons where you are dealing with something, but it's not forever. You know, mm -hmm. everybody gets depressed at times. Everybody will get anxious at times, but it's usually not a permanent thing. It's in response to something. I lost somebody that I really cared about. That's normal to feel depressed. That's normal to maybe be anxious, things like that. So we want to definitely differentiate. So we're not saying it's everybody should be medicated for everything and forever. And we're also not saying that medication is evil. It's, it's, a, it's a tool and it serves a purpose and a function. But to Carlos's point, and I think it's very important that we acknowledge that if 
you only have a provider that only seems to want to lean towards medication mm -hmm. and doesn't ask other important questions, which I'm definitely going to be talking about with you. What do you eat? How well do you sleep? Do you do any physical activity? Do you have social support? Never. Do you have people around you that you care about, that you can open up to, that you talk to about the things that you got going on? If all those things are in disarray, medication can't fix that. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's important to understand that. So and speaking on that, I want to ask you, because I know you touched on a little bit about that's what a lot of your business has been about. That's sort of mm -hmm. that pivot that you made in the height of the pandemic and, you know, realizing that working with autistic children in the clinic wasn't going to be the, the main way for you to provide for yourself. Definitely. How how did you end up finding the desire and the drive to want to build out a company and, and doing work within the nutritional sciences or within the dietary space? Uh, honestly, I um, got tired of people uh, reaching out to me all the time and asking me, how are you in shape? How are you healthy? How are you happy? How do you have energy all the time? Mm -hmm. uh, and me not knowing what to tell them uh, or or people literally when you know when you're in psychology, everyone, a lot of people come up to you and kind of just blur out all the problems and stuff like that. And yeah. all I could really say at the time was like, oh, damn, that's crazy. Uh, and like, <laughs> I, I knew that I, I needed to do something so that I can give people a solution, yeah. um, regardless of where they are. So um, moving into my business just made the most sense because I, I knew that there's millions of Latinos um, and, and, and people of color who need that support, uh, who need that exposure. Um, yeah. And they're not getting it. I know because I looked for months and months and months and I was like, okay, what? actual options are we presented with? What actual information are we seeing every day? Um, if you're going to social media on TikTok, like you, or I'm not even like, I, I don't even spend a lot of time on TikTok. I do a lot of on Instagram, but if you scroll for a good half an hour, you'll get so many bad news. You'll get um, so many different points of view and our community tends to see, think that whatever you see on there is the truth. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, as much as I don't like, um, like I don't really enjoy being on camera, recording myself, doing all that stuff. I knew that it was important for me to um, represent and like really kind of just um, show people who look like me that, yes, I do meditate. Yes, I do yoga. Yes, the, all this stuff is necessary. Um, and most importantly, when they're because we're all like they're all going to continue to scroll. Like it's not going anywhere. Uh, <laughs> they, it's not going anywhere. So I got to have yeah. to be real. I was like, if they see 20 posts. And 19 of them are negative. I, I want to be that one post that actually is uplifting. That's actually like giving them solutions. That's yeah. actually adding value to their life. Um, yes. So it, it just makes sense for me. Um, and as soon as I started, I had so much support from even the field in applied behavior analysis. I had so much support from uh, other um, like black and brown people um, who literally would tell me like, hey, I was feeling awful and I saw your post, which took me 15 minutes to make. Uh, and like, they were like, and he completely got me going and I went and like did better on my job or um, went and started med uh, meditation for the first time. And mm -hmm. that's um, what really pushed me to, hey, like, even though like, um, I'm not a presenter or whatever, like all that stuff, like I need to gain those skills so that I can actually add value to my community and yeah. help our community heal because uh, we need to, um, especially after the pandemic. Like it's, there's no question. Like we have to, we all, we all have facts. to. <laughs> facts. <laughs> big, that's, that's big facts you're speaking on, man. I, I, I cannot agree with you more, especially the representation side. And, and mm -hmm. I love what you said there. I want to go back to that about mm -hmm. the social media aspect, because mm -hmm. 
as I told you, I'm new to this space too. Like I'm not very fluid and being in front of the camera, I felt a similar desire that you did to mm -hmm. be more of service, not just to, of course, I want to, you know, being real, I want to focus on my communities, which is the black and Latino communities. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the discussion and the conversations I have are largely around men and our issues, men's mental health, but it also does impact women because a lot of us want families, want to be married, want to be parents. And so it impacts a large breadth of the population, not just in the United States, but in the world. And so I recognize like you did that maybe there's more than I can do. So whatever discomfort I need to learn to get over, then I need to get over it Yep. because it's going to benefit more people. And it's so about us. <laughs> yeah. And I agree with you. Like, you know, from what I've been told, because I'm, mm -hmm. I kind of predate social media, so I'm not as maybe fluid and, and utilizing it as often as other people do. Yeah. I, di I didn't understand the endless scrolling, you know, like that mm -hmm. was not like a, that was a very foreign concept to me. Cause I'm just not like that. Mm -hmm. I don't, I can't, I can't even get on there now and just start looking, but I have heard from other clients, particularly my younger ones that I used to have mm -hmm. when I was very early on in my career, who would say like, they can't even get away from their phone. Uh, I remember this one particular young lady, I b believe she was 12. It was like when I was in my internship, when I was still in grad school, I, re I remember she said this and I was just like, what? She was like explaining that she would uh, go to sleep at night and sometimes she would go to bed late. It might be like 1, 12, 1 a.m. But she said that she would always have her ringer on. And if she, for whatever reason, heard a tone or she saw even somehow when she was asleep, felt like she saw the flash of like a notification that she would wake up and she said, I had verbatim, I had to answer it. So that was a huge awakening for me mm -hmm. as somebody who did not grow up with all of these things. I'm like, wow, that seems it's, really it's concerning. Yeah. That's really it's concerning like, that you think yeah. that you should be disrupting your sleep pattern to go answer somebody. I don't care if they're answering you right now, put mm -hmm. your phone to do not disturb, flip it down, turn it off, whatever you gotta do, but you need to take better care of yourself. So it just goes to show when you're talking about people scrolling, um, sometimes maybe the content that they're seeing, and you're right, in, in today's day and age, not that everything is horrible or there's all this bad news. It's just that we're so interconnected. You can be exposed to so much different types of information that you we previously weren't, you know, reading the newspaper or even in the early days of Facebook, like you weren't seeing as much as you are today where you can be flooded by, you know, on, on seemingly one platform, let alone if you utilize multiple yeah. You can just be, you know, drowning in it, so to speak. It's important to have something to counterbalance that. So I love what you said that I want to be that one post that tries to give somebody hope or inspiration or encouragement to push through whatever they're dealing with. I feel similarly. I'm doing this, these conversations and, and having these discussions because I'm hoping we can benefit from it. And maybe it gives us a sense of enlightenment or excitement that this thing that I thought that I was stuck doing this pattern of behavior I think that I'm stuck having or being like, this way of thinking that I thought was my personality is not necessarily true, to be able to help them, help all of us challenge those type of thoughts. So it's good to know that there's other brothers in the space who are also trying to do something similar. 100%, definitely. And, and, and again, like to even piggyback on that, on that, like even giving people a little bit of clarity, because like you said, there's so much information out there that it's hard to like slow down and figure out, hey, what's true? Hey, what actually works for me? Uh, what do I want? Like questions that seem really simple, but I, now I know, especially after working with hundreds of people, that 
that's not something that we're asking ourselves. It's not something that we're sitting down with a piece of paper and really writing down um, mm -hmm. what is it that we want, um, what is it that we're looking for, uh, and giving people that clarity and, and exposing them to that different verbiage, exposing them to a different way of looking at the word. At the, oh, world, yeah. at the world, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, I think it's really powerful because, especially in or or like or young like um, black and brown males, they spend a lot of time listening to a lot of like rap and stuff that um, uses all, all like a, a way of speaking that is not conducive to helping them like be better. Uh, mm -hmm. It's very destructive and it's very um, it's very it, it creates a lot of separation within our communities rather than actually reminding us that we're one we're more alike than we're different oh um, yeah Ooh. that's mm -hmm. now that, that's a big one and mm -hmm. i i've definitely had my fair share of um it's funny you mentioned that <laughs> i haven't i haven't actually talked about that one on camera before but yeah. i i have like i have a very interesting experience with like rap and hip-hop like I'm, i'd like mm -hmm. to consider myself a very eclectic type of person where i appreciate different music from various different backgrounds but i will admit i'm very much a hip-hop head yeah but but to your point, though, I do recognize that for a lot of young people, especially, you know, because we it's when you're young, it's hard to be able to differentiate, like you said, between fact and fiction. Mm -hmm. What's real and what's not? What's opinion? Right. And what's expert? Yes. Right. We got a lot of that going on right now. A lot of people. Actually, let me make that point again. Yeah. There's a lot of opinion people, a people who present their opinion as fact. Mm. that's overshadowing people who are actually experts in their fields yeah like that's a real thing and we for young people and i get it because when you're young you just don't know any better mm -hmm. it's hard to learn to differentiate that unless somebody has actually taught you how to do that right but but back to the music though even when you talk about hip-hop so and again i'm pretty i'm pretty uh well versed in it so i'll use a recent example of a body of work that i think is great because of what it provided to the community Kendrick Lamar's last album. Oh, yep. Right. That was real. He's literally his, just his vulnerability was spot on. You could tell the brother's been going to therapy. He just laid his soul out there. And I appreciate you, man, for everything mm -hmm. that he put out there. As compared to some of these other, like maybe younger hip hop artists, where I would say it's more of the facade that a lot of us are used to. It's like money, women, you know, items, clothes, yeah, bands, items cars whatever it's a lifestyle right and i don't hate on the lifestyle like do you you know if that's really you and you really about it you know do you but for a lot of people that's unrealistic for a lot of people what also comes with that can be can be destructive if you don't understand what's really being said right so if you're glorifying like drug dealing or abusing women or um committing illegal acts to make money I'm not going to I'm not going to co-sign that because mm -hmm. that's not what we want. Now, so there's a lot of I will say there's a lot of guys who talk about that's what they did. Mm -hmm. They don't do it no more. Right. I think that that's OK. Like we're allowed to grow and evolve. Sometimes we just broad brush people because they say, oh, you did something bad. So therefore you are bad ever, forever. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm especially being a therapist. I believe a bit more nuance to the for, you know, for a strong degree. So I don't demonize all those artists who do that. Mm -hmm. But for the ones, for example, who talk about gang life and, and again, committing these illegal acts in the present when they don't have to, that to me doesn't make sense. Because now you're influencing young people to think that that's a great way to behave, right? Or, or getting, you know, catching charges, going to jail, even after you've made it, 
Like mm-hmm. that just doesn't make sense. It's not a good strategy. You wouldn't tell somebody, go to school, go get a finance degree, go work on Wall Street, and then go and then go um, go kill somebody. You know, like that doesn't make sense. Like you mm-hmm. made it, you got it out of your environment, you're doing well for yourself. Why would you go back and compromise everything that you worked hard for? It literally doesn't make sense. All hip hop artists don't do that, but some do. Mm-hmm. And those, I, I would agree. I think that kind of stuff, we don't need to have a place for that because it doesn't help us grow and evolve as a people. Uh, I don't know if you want to add No, I, I agree. I, I myself, I like very much like you. I, I love many kinds of music. I'm bilingual, so I listen to a lot of different kinds of music. Uh, but I, I would say that rap and hip hop are some of my favorite, some of my favorite genres. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I grew up listening, um, like, especially when I was in college to a lot of like really hardcore rap, all of this, um, all of the, all of this, um, all of this stuff that you think that that's just, that's how they live. That, that's how life really is. But mm-hmm. even if you look at like future, even 21 Savage and stuff like that, they like, yeah, no, I don't like do drugs like that anymore. <laughs> like I, I, they're married, they have kids. Like they, yeah. um, many people don't understand that. Like, Hey, they're, they're not saying that this is the life they live. They're just show, sharing with you a story about the stuff that they've gone through. Um, mm-hmm. Many of them I even have moved past that. Uh, right. That doesn't mean that like they're still doing it. And especially doesn't mean that you should be doing it uh, to get to where you want to be. Uh, that doesn't mean that that's like um, a, a rite of passage that like, hey, okay, so I got to sell drugs, um, do this, do all that stuff to get to like the point of being uh, financially stable, financially wealthy, having um, freedom of time and stuff like that. I can tell you that mm-hmm. because um, now I have my own business and I didn't have to do all of that stuff. Uh, I, I, and it's, 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 um, it's important for us to get that clarity, uh, especially oh, yeah. even if, even if you listen to the Kendrick Lamar album that he dropped, like if you don't understand that he's literally just speaking on his own story, mm-hmm. not, he's not telling you how to live life. Um, you can, you can have, you can have very different outcomes and you could absolutely end up behaving in very different ways. Absolutely. Um, and it and it's important to remember what he says uh, that we um, that that he's just sharing his story. He is just telling his truth. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, and and what worked for him doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work for us. Like it's important for us right. to know that. No, mm-hmm. I, I, absolutely. And the reason why I brought his up is because mm-hmm. that's very much the essence of what I'm doing here. Well, what I do as a professional, but also what I'm doing with these conversations is being able to be open and honest and be real about what we go through. Um, even going back to what you said earlier about social media, not the highlight reel. We're talking about the real. So that means the highs, yeah. the lows, the middles, you know, not not the, everything was successful. And I just, mm-hmm. I made it where I wanted to be. No, it was the moments where things weren't great. And the moments where I experienced loss and I didn't know where I was gonna pay for this bill. And I had to, I had to figure it out, right? Yes. It's being able to, to acknowledge the journey but also as we're as we're sharing the success, acknowledging all steps in that process and in that journey, because for a lot of us, that is what we will go through. Right. Like, yeah, we, we, life does not go in a straight line. I love that you, some, I, yeah, I, very jacket. I love that you bring that up, because that's, that's why I, I don't have an issue being vulnerable um, now. But for a while, I had there was a lot of shame in my I had a lot of shame in my own journey. Um, Especially like before me knowing that I was in the hood, I, there was no shame. But once I, I, I actually started like um, hanging out with people who didn't have the struggles that I had, um, I started realizing like, oh, like 
like, oh, this is not normal. Like I started telling myself at least, like, it was not normal. Like yeah. I had, there was a lot of suffering and stuff like that. And and it, there was a lot of shame in my own story uh, and a lot of shame from of where I come from uh, and the things that, I, that I've gone through to get to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like uh, I had this mask basically um, where uh, I would just tell a story, but not really be open enough to tell my true story. Um, and now I, like I, I embrace my journey because I think that's where true healing happens. Um, and it's important for, and, and and it's important for us Latino men and and black men. Um, and we're both, uh, so it's, it's, it's important. (laughs) It's important for us to like, um, speak to people and speak and tell people about, um, or truth. Um, and, and this is something that I also learned, um, as I, as I worked on my healing, um, make sure that you like, if you're not comfortable yet with sharing your story and sharing your journey, I'm not saying to do what we're doing and just go to social media and share with everybody because there's people mm-hmm. that are not going to understand where you're coming from. Right. It's important for you to find someone, people that are going to support you and, and, and listen to you without judgment. Um, yes. because I personally been hurt a lot when I shared my story with people that didn't understand um, and added um, like labels and did all this stuff um, and, and it hurt for a while. But now mm-hmm. I know, um, yes, it's important for you to share. Uh, and if you don't have anyone in your life, you don't have a friend or a family, that's a, that's a perfect time for you to go to therapy. Like that's the perfect time so you can find someone who's, who will listen to you without judgment and be completely objective and keep it real with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's really important. Um, and, and, and just to go back a little bit on what we talked about, um, therapy as well, it's important for us to know that like right now I'm happy. Uh, I feel free. I feel amazing. I have an amazing support system and I'm still looking for a therapist. Like this, you don't go to therapy when you're down. Don't wait till you're down <laughs> to go to therapy. Um, very that's true. something that's like very common in our, in our, in our communities that like, Hey, okay. Um, like, I'm going to wait till I, I'm feeling better now. I'm going to no. if you're feeling better, then that's a perfect time for you to go. Absolutely. Um, and really, um, basically uh, on bots, uh, uh, literally all of that stuff, like clear out that closet and like really, um, go in, go in there deep with someone that's going to support you and not judge you. Um, it's, 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 it's powerful and it's necessary. And in our community, many other times when, when you do try to talk to someone, they immediately go to, um, judging you, even calling your names or um, doing things that are not going to help you um, do that again. Because if you're yeah. punished when you when you open up, then behaviorally, as someone who has a degree in behavior, if you're punished, that's going to decrease the likelihood that you're going to do that again. Correct. That you're be open again. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I, man, so many facts you just said. So many facts you just said. <laughs> I, I got to hit on the last part because I, yeah, I pretty much yes. always make this point because you just made it. So I got to I got to <laughs> echo it, especially for men. Right. Mm-hmm. Men, young men. I make the case and is my belief that it starts when we're very, very small, that we are systematically conditioned as young people, mm-hmm. as young males from when we're very young to not be expressive, to not be vulnerable, because there's all these expressions that we know that people say to us when we try to be. Mm. They say, don't be a girl, don't be a woman, stop being so emotional, stop don't crying, be weak. suck mm. it up, don't be mm. weak, right? There's all, and there's more. Mm. Those are the first ones that come to mind. Yeah, There's so many of those expressions we hear, right? And I really wanna make this point, you brought it up and uh, it always touches something in me every time we, I have to talk about this. 
because it's so hard. It's so hard. Even me, I've had to go through so much therapy myself because of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. To give the, to give the example, I grew up in a household with primarily my mother, my father, and my sister. Then my mother passed away from cancer when I was very young, when I was seven. So then it was just me, my older sister, and my dad. He was a very traditional man. He did not come from an environment where his family was very expressive with him. He also had several siblings in the same household, so I'm sure it was hard just to get attention. But regardless, he did not create a space for me and my older sister to be open and honest. And at any time I did, he told me to suck it up and very much belittled and minimized me all the time. So that's a huge reason why it was so hard for me for so long to be real. I would try to be a really good student mm -hmm. so people wouldn't look deeper underneath the surface because I didn't want to draw attention because my father was always like, you know, you keep that stuff to yourself. You don't tell anybody. Yep. Right. It's all these messages that we hear throughout our lifetime. And then I have to hear young men tell me some of the same things that mm -hmm. I heard and I'm way older than them. And it hurts. It really hurts to see them struggle in that way because I don't want to see more young men hurt the way that I do and mm -hmm. have because it's so much harder. It impacts so many relationships that you have. I'll give another example because I talk about this as well. I'm a father. So parenting my young son, it could be more challenging. Thankfully, I because of the work I do, I'm forced to really challenge myself all the time. Um, it would be very difficult to make sure that I'm creating this space for him to be vulnerable, not just with me, but with everybody to not minimize him just because it was done to me. Make sure I don't pass that on. I don't pass that generational trauma onto him where he's now going to struggle with every break, relationship that he that has moving off. forward. Correct. So mm -hmm. I have to, I have to be better. We have to be better. So the next generation doesn't have to suffer, but to bring all that back to the point of what we were talking about. It's hard because it's not just one person you have to fix or change their perspective. It's really a society. And when I say society, I don't even mean just the United States. Mm -hmm. I mean, globally, globally, this is how a lot of us as men are raised. And our fathers don't give us the space or create the space, I would say, for us to be vulnerable. Usually those are like relationships you expect to have with your mother and with your father is just tough, pat you on the back. Mm -hmm. you know caveman type stuff and i think we can be so much more and i, I challenge all of us in mm -hmm. all seriousness i challenge all of us to do the work necessary so that we can be better for the next generation so they don't have to deal with a lot of the challenges that we have to um and and i, and I want to piggyback on, on what you're saying i'm doing the work because um what many of us don't even know what doing the work looks like but mm -hmm. If you don't know, if you don't know anything about psychology, if you've never been to therapy, if you don't, or if you, you don't have supportive uh, uh, family, feel your feelings. Yep. Feel your feelings. Um, that it, many, a lot of people in our communities tend to hide their feelings, bottle them up, literally whether whether it's alcohol, um, smoking, uh, whether it's watching. Like now, like people don't understand that they're doing that just through binging Netflix for days and days on end because they, they're not allowing themselves to sit with their thoughts mm -hmm. and really dive deep into them. And, and I really feel your feelings. 
and I yeah. and I and I emphasize the, the fact of feeling your feelings because it's gonna suck. Like it's when yes, you first does. start doing the work, like there's gonna be tears. It, it's gonna it, it hurts again because you're experiencing like in your mind you're experiencing that situation again. Mm-hmm. But n- until you are able to like work on detaching yourself from from that and understanding that that's not who you are, that's not your identity. You're you're not going to be able to heal properly. You're not going to be able to actually get through the um, through those hard times. Um, yeah. And what what ends up happening is that you bring that to the net to to the, the next person that you interact with. You bring yes. that to uh, you bring that to um, your family, your friends, your relationships, and and that can cause a lot of pain in our communities, in our families. Mm-hmm. So I love that you use the word challenge because it is a challenge. But yeah. I, I also challenge you to go ahead, do the work, feel your feelings, because nobody else is going to feel them for you. Absolutely. I, that literally. No, I, no you're, you're spot on. And mm-hmm. I would say one way that you could do that if you don't mm-hmm. have access to a therapist, because this is mm-hmm. something that I did like way, way back when, even though I, I value it much more now, but I didn't really appreciate it as much at the time, is journal. Yeah. And when I say journal, you can do it in the traditional sense of uh, I do it in a notebook. Um, you mm-hmm. can do it, you know, we have technology. So like I've done it where I do like the, I talk to my phone, let it um, record the text for me. You could, if you really want to, you're really cool. You can video record yourself, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, Snapchat, Instagram, whatever. You can do all these different ways to capture your thoughts and the memories at that time. And I think it's important to Carlos's point because you want to be able to capture how you felt at that moment in time so that you are able to recall it. So Mm -hmm. let's say you can't deal with it at that time, right? Because maybe it's inconvenient. Maybe, you know, there's family around, whatever. But if I capture it, I can go back at a later time where I feel a little more comfortable. I create this space where I can be vulnerable. Now I'm going to go through, I'm going to replay that, or I'm going to reread what Mm -hmm. I said. And now I'm going to sit with it. Maybe I even meditate on it if I really want to go deep. Yeah. But I'm going to sit on it because I need to understand why I felt hurt, why I felt sad, why... um, this person isn't communicating with me, whatever the issues may be. That's something that you can do. Even when you don't have anybody else around, we do have a way to record this information because number one, it helps you externalize how you're feeling. So it's not just going on in your own mind anymore, mm-hmm. but then you can go back to it. Maybe when you're in a calmer place and go through and actually process them. And because that will be vital for any type of relationship you want to have in the future. I, and I think it, I think it's awesome that you brought up journaling because I myself like I would spend hundreds of dollars on shoes. I would do trips and everything like that. And like I I bought, I bought myself like super fancy twenty dollar journal on Amazon. So I was like, I'm gonna invest in myself. This was the was this one one of the first investments that I made on myself. Yeah. But something that I learned through journaling as well is that when you write it down, then you're able to like detach yourself from it understand mm-hmm. that that's not who you are that's something that you've been through right that's something that you felt but that's not who you are you are love you are expansion you are way more than just um those feelings that are just honestly reactions to the uh, of your brain to the environment uh it, mm-hmm. most of the time um yeah. that, that's really not who you are um it, yes and i know i get it it's a physical uh, emotions are very physical like you feel them in your body so oh, yeah. it's hard. It's hard for you to be like, "Wow, is that not me? I feel this way." But that that's not you. Uh, you are the 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 servant part of your brain. That the the one that can observe those feelings. That's you, and you don't have to act up uh, on them. You can just observe them and let them be. 
And that's yeah. the beauty of writing them down because you can observe it and be like, oh, that's what I'm thinking. And like you can make and then from there you can pivot and make a change. Absolutely. Um, no, that's that, that's so important. And I, I like I like the way you put that together, too. I, mm. When I say externalizing, that is exactly what I mean. It helps you yeah. separate them from yourself so that usually we, we call it rumination when you are feeling something like let's say you're sad like we'll use a common example I'm a master at you, that <laughs> yeah you break you break up with somebody or somebody broke up with you right mm -hmm. and you're naturally you're sad about it mm -hmm. so it's natural that the thoughts are going to be very proliferate or proliferating proliferating in your mind where they're going on repeat and loop all the time right so how do i help with that well externalizing them helps me detach them through journaling through a process like journaling mm -hmm. so it's not like I'm not capturing them. I'm capturing how I felt. I felt really bad on this day because I missed this person. Yeah. Right. You can make it something simple like that. Mm -hmm. So I have that there. So when I'm ready, I can also come back to that. I can not only see it and then process it in that time. This is how I'm feeling. What would I want to be different moving forward? Another way to benefit from that is now that I'm not thinking about it all the time, I can also, as more time progresses, and I keep doing that process, these are kind of like little timestamps, if you will, where I can see moments of growth. Man, I remember about three weeks ago, I didn't even want to get out of the bed. Look at, man, look at my journal, look what I said. And now it's been like a couple months, I'm starting to feel a little bit better, still not great, but I feel a little bit better than I did before. Then you could take it a step further. If you get a therapist, it is a very great tool for us to use because the best way for me to understand how you feel is for you to express it. I can't read your mind. I don't know what you're thinking. But when you have you so on July 25th, this, this and this happened. And this is how it made me feel. Right? Okay, now we can actually go through and start to digest what it might really mean. Then we can actually start to connect dots that you may not be able to see, but that I might be able to see because of the information that you provide. Mm -hmm. So it's a great, great tool to really capture what you're experiencing. So again, if you can't find a therapist for whatever mm. particular reason at that time, that's okay. You could utilize a tool like journaling in the meantime to at least capture those thoughts and help you to separate how you're feeling. I think that's a great way just to get started. And then of course, another little tidbit back to what Carlos was doing is try to maybe consider surrounding yourself with more positive and uplifting content. So if you have somebody like Carlos who's posting something that gives you a little inspiration for the day, maybe I need to focus on trying to consume that type of information as opposed to things that make me feel inadequate or invalid mm -hmm. or minimized or less than or whatever other negative feeling might come up for you. I think that can be helpful ways because we have so much of this uh, social media platforms available, that might be sort of like a starter way Mm. to get support until you can get some real people there to actually you know engage with definitely and i and i think um again to, to like piggyback on what you're saying it something that I, that it's important to realize and this is a, a quote that i live by super simple through words progress over or perfection um mm -hmm. remember that like like um like rj said like regardless of where you are um there's gonna be times where you're like okay i'm not where i want to be but you can you can look back and you're like okay, but I made progress, mm -hmm. and and once we made that our goal rather than making perfection our, perfection our goal, then you can actually continue that on that path and and yeah. not get discouraged. 
because there's going to be times that you're like, I'm still dealing with this stuff. And, and then you you might even have those thoughts uh, within yourself that are going to mm -hmm. just literally um, disrupt your whole um, healing process. And, and and that's not what we want. No, uh, we wanna, that's not what we want at all. Um, especially with social media, like, like, like Andre is saying, like there's so much comparison that you're like, look at them. They're doing this and doing that. And that's really not helping you get to where you want to be. Mm -hmm. um, so like, you know, I personally, what I did, uh, you don't have to do this because it does take some time. But you, I went through my the people that I was following, and I just started unfollowing people that weren't serving me. Um, not as a way to, not and not out of out of hate or out of like any out of love for myself, mm -hmm. out of love for my own attention and my time, which is the most valuable asset that we have. Yes. Uh, so I literally went through all thousand people that I were following, and I unfollowed like two hundred people that I I I felt weren't really helping me. Um, be my full self. There you um, go. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, and I, even cool. even to add to add to that last point, I think you know mm -hmm. thinking about where you give your attention to. That's what I meant about mm -hmm. what you consume. You know, because yes. I have clients that struggle in that area. They mm -hmm. are very caring, loving people who want to really benefit a lot of people of society, but because they consume so much information that's happening in the world it can be overwhelming to the point that it may make you cynical, apathetic, maybe a nihilist, where you just think like nothing really matters anymore. Everything sucks. Why even bother trying? Try. And mm -hmm. I make the point, <laughs> I try to make the point that especially as black and brown people, we cannot afford that attitude. Like we just can't because we've already had so much to overcome and so much to deal with. And there's still much more work to be done that it doesn't diminish to say that these things are not really happening. You know, we're not living in some fairy tale, like, oh yeah, bad things don't happen. They do. Mm -hmm. But the question is, how much of that maybe can I be exposed to before I recognize that I'm getting to the point of being overwhelmed and I need to mm -hmm. pause there and make sure that I'm good because I still want to be of service. I still want to be of value. I still want to add to other people, pour into other people, so to speak. Mm -hmm. In order to do that, I have to be extremely mindful of how much information I'm consuming online and what type of information am I consuming? Because if a lot of it turns out to be negative, don't be surprised. Your attitude towards life is negative. Like it's, it's very simple, but you read what you saw. <laughs> right, exactly. If you see all this information around you, you can't be shocked that you're like, man, a lot of things I'm quoting are negative. And a lot of the things I'm pointing out are, are hard things that are happening in the world at no point do we say those things aren't mattered they don't matter and we should do nothing absolutely not but what i also got to understand is i have a finite amount of emotional capacity that i can afford usually i would say every day sometimes we do that we do a, a teacup uh, metaphor because you only have so much that you can tolerate and it's going to build up your cup's going to fill up and once it's full it's full and if you keep trying to pour more in there, now you're getting to the point of being overwhelmed because you, you're giving, you're taking more than what you have the ability to truly um, process and deal with. So then if that happens over a period of time, it's going to be very difficult for you to then want to get out of the bed, to be motivated, to do anything that you used to do that brought you joy or happiness. Mm -hmm. And that can put you on a dark path, you know, that we don't want to see people go to. So I think it's just, it's very important to, 
acknowledge and understand the way that these different platforms that we use, the different media that we consume, how it can play on our minds and on our hearts and recognize, hey, if I'm doing a lot of that, if I'm consuming a lot of that and it's tending to make my view of the world, it's, it seems like it's kind of dark right now. Maybe I need to consider, as you pointed out, Carlos, maybe I need to unfollow some people. Maybe I need to not look at so many of these articles or consume this many videos talking about these issues that just make me feel really, really down. You know what I mean? hundred percent. It, 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 it's, it's all about being more intentional with our time and our, and our attention. Um, there's all these corporations who are spending billions of dollars to get your time and attention. Yeah. Um, so it's important for us to be intentional about, about what we're allowing in, um, into our, um, teacup. What are we allowing yes. into our, into our day? Um, it's, it's, it's really necessary. It, it's also important to remember that we're living in a completely different uh, time now, uh, that a hundred years ago was not a thing. Uh, 50 mm. years ago, it wasn't a thing. Uh, in a day now we can, we can be exposed to more negativity and pain and suffering and hurt than someone, uh, 50, hundred years ago would be exposed in their entire lives. Right. Um, because especially if you're um, an empath and, and you and you and you love people like like we do, it, it's hard for you to detach yourself from from all that suffering. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's necessary for us to be intentional and remember like, hey, you you only have a certain amount of time and energy in, in your day. Um, again, I mean, we're not saying to like avoid or anything, everything that's bad, like or, or everything that's like bad news. Like definitely if you feel like you need to be aware of stuff that's happening in the world right do it but be intentional with it like even dedicate time for it and like make sure that it's not your entire day correct like, social media can 100 percent make that happen without you uh you trying like you don't oh, have yeah. to <laughs> you don't have no. to try <laughs> no you're absolutely right you're just kind of going and going and going you don't even recognize you know you haven't even disconnected yet mm -hmm. you just you're on the whole time and you know, I just I've, I've had to have some clients where we've had to have those discussions. And I'm saying, you know, we need to limit your time because mm -hmm. you, I don't know how much of it you're spending so far, but it seems like it's too much. Because if this is your sort of attitude, mm -hmm. especially if I know based on what you told me, you are a very caring person. That's not a good sign. That means mm -hmm. like you're you've been so overwhelmed that your whole perspective on life is changing. That does you know, that's not a good sign for somebody who wants to create so much positive change and impact for the yeah. world. And, and and there's this quote that really helped me because uh, I, I myself I'm very much a giver. I'm very much someone who who tends to um, give. I used to give too much of myself for lack of better words. But there, there's this quote that really helped me. Um, I I don't. I'm pretty sure it's not her quote, but Oprah spoke on this. Mm. Um, and it, it basically, you know, it goes it goes about it talks about like us being a cup, right? Mm. Um, and the importance of us. Um, not literally just pouring our cup on everybody because that's kind of how what I felt when I was like working at the clinic. I was like, okay, here's a little bit for for the kids. There's a little bit for the parents. There's a little bit for my clients. There's a little bit for um for um, my partner. Like it was it was a little bit of I was giving so much that I had like I was an empty cup. But the problem with that is that when when your cup is empty, you start feeling like people are taking away from you. You start mm -hmm. feeling like. Um, you start feeling resentment to a lot of the people that you love because you feel like they're taken away from you. Mm -hmm. What um, Oprah suggests is to fill your cup to the point that is overflowing so that when you give or even people take without uh, you giving, you don't even notice it. Like you're like, mm -hmm. oh, all right, cool. 
Um, and honestly, when I made that switch, like it really helped me um, not like be a little bit, not necessarily selfish, but care, um, love myself a little bit more and make sure that I fill my cup first before I do anything else. Agreed. Um, no, I, I like that. I was actually going to, I was going to add the only thing I would add to that. Yes. Cause I like, I like the, I love the example, the way I would, the way I would describe it would be. So you have your own cup and mm -hmm. then everybody else has one too. Anybody else mm -hmm. that you care about or any cause or issue, right? Your emotional capacity is a separate cup. So you pour into your cup first, then you can go into other people and you can, whatever, or, or, or issues. Then you can pour into those areas. The point is you took care of self first mm -hmm. before you do anything else. And I always try to make that point because that's what helps you to fight that feeling where nothing matters, nothing, you know, you don't care about anything and, or you feel um, sort of dispassionate and feel like people are going to take advantage of you all the time. If I'm taking care of myself, it helps me sort of insulate things. It's where I'm less likely to be taken advantage of because I'm very aware of the things that I need to address and I'm making sure I'm doing them, which is why I poured into my cup first. Yep. But if I'm pouring into everybody else, as Carlos said, then nobody's left to uh, help take care of me and I have nothing left in my cup to pour back into myself. That is an unsustainable model. That's a great way to do this, where you just, you start off here, and you just mm -hmm. go down. That's how I got burnt out, by the way. That's how Correct. I got burnt out. That's exactly why we talk about burnout, because that exists in every profession, too. Yep. If you care about people and you care about helping others, none of that is bad. None of that is bad. Amazing. But if you don't make sure, and I, I will say this last little soapbox point, if you don't make sure that you're your first priority, always, you should expect over time that you're going to have that sort of inverted line of where I don't take good care of myself. I'm just going down this line because that means I'm so used to giving to everyone else first. And maybe that's because it, make, it makes me feel the joy to be supportive, right? I enjoy that as well. I love being of service, mm -hmm. but I also understand I have to also be an example. I cannot do that if I'm constantly giving to you and you and you and everybody else and there's nobody left to look out for me. So we always have to look out for us first. This 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 conversation is is on fire by the way. Um I'm, I I I I can see how powerful this is um cuz even for myself if I were to listen to this um a couple of years ago the, um conversations like this where um you can hear other people of color other male of, of color actually being vulnerable and doing it in a space that's non-judgmental, in a space that's yeah. focused on growth and love, um, it's powerful. Uh, it's powerful, and this is and and this is why I was so excited to to this call with you because I knew that um, just by having these conversations and like really sitting down with each other and um, and and basically being there for each other, like dropping yeah. game, like giving game to each other, like that's that's what it's all about. That oh, is, yeah. That's what we're here for. Absolutely, like, man. No, mm -hmm. it, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any purpose it, to me. There's no purpose in achieving accolades, wisdom, experience, technical skills, knowledge, if you don't share it. Like, there's no point. Like, it's cool if you have it. I mean, I mm -hmm. guess. 
Um, If you really want to be selfish in the negative connotation, by the way, when I said selfish, I was saying in a positive connotation, that means you give to self first. Mm -hmm. That's actually not a, that's not a bad thing to do. Mm -hmm. But if I only care about myself, I would call that more of an egocentric point of view. I only Mm -hmm. care about me and, and the way things affect me. I don't support that. I think to me, the point is you gather all that, right? Especially Mm -hmm. if you're talking to us who we don't have a lot of professionals in these fields, or we don't have a lot of representation in these other different career paths because we don't even see them. So we don't even imagine that we could do them. It's Mm -hmm. so important for us to give that freely. So you may not be able to access a mentor very quickly. You may not have people in your family that went to college. I was first time in college for my family. Same. You might you might have these experiences and recognize, you know what? I should share this because somebody might benefit from this. They might say, hey, I didn't know if I could, I could start my own business focusing on health and wellness or focusing on diet and nutrition or personal training or coaching or being a therapist or whatever other fields you know you may come from. I think it's important for us to expose ourselves to that information. So those of us that have a lot of this experience and this knowledge, we should feel some sort of duty to share it, to give the game to the young ones who are coming up so that they can understand that there's more that's possible than what they see in their immediate environment. That's, 100%. that's just how I feel. So. 100%. It comes up for me a lot. I, I, no, I love I, it. No, same. I, I'm glad you said it. That's why I even add anything. I'm like, yep, exactly what you said. Yep. 100%. <laughs> I'm like, yep. I could just phrase it better myself. That's exactly facts. Thank that's you. Exactly Thank you. All right. So and speaking, man, we've, we've touched on a lot of things so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, I appreciate where the conversation is going. Sure. I'm going to get a little bit more into the weeds, so to speak, on relationships, because uh, I, I try to talk about that a little bit more for those of us, as, you know, as much as we're comfortable with sharing in a public space and how our experiences we may have had so far in life may have impacted the way we have operated in our romantic relationships or relationships with others and how we might see it impacting us moving forward, what work that we might need to do to impact that. So I wanted to ask you, do you think in your experience, have you had to go through any particular challenges in your personal life and dating that have impacted the way you see things now and maybe any work that you think you need to do moving forward? Definitely. Um, I would, um, the first word that comes to mind is responsibility. Um, and, and to, to be more specific about, uh, on that, um, responsibility about our actions and, and our words and like how we approach different things. Mm-hmm. And, and by that, I mean, I am a, I am now, um, a really strong believer that, um, you are responsible for the person that's listening to you to understand what you're saying. Um, if you communicate, if you're communicating with someone and they don't understand what you're saying, that's not their fault. It's your responsibility to make sure that you speak to them in a way that actually that they can add, um, take in, they can understand. Um, and that doesn't mean like you keep like driving the same point over and over again, change the right. way you say things. Um, or even if you feel like a conversation is not going in, 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 a, positive, in a positive way, step away for a little bit. Um, like figure out a different way to say it and then come back uh, and have a, a more productive conversation. Because when you're, uh, when you're upset and you're angry, when, if you're yelling, you're not communicating. 
um, there's, there's, you're saying things and the other person's saying things back. Right. But you're not listening to each other. Um, mm -hmm. I was blessed um, enough to be um, in a relationship for about four years. Um, actually, we, uh, we ended a few months ago. But um, one of the beautiful things that I learned in that in that um, relationship is that I had this idea that you know couples fight, couples argue, couple yell, couples yell at each other. But when we first came into a relationship, one of the things that we we spoke about is that we would never do that. And luckily, we never did in the entire time that we were together. Whenever we, whenever we felt that uh, someone's being frustrated, someone's getting agitated, okay, let's take a step back. Let's do a little bit of breathing, let's let, and, and then we'll come back to this in another time. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that was very, very helpful. But I also know that I personally witnessed many relationships, especially in the black and brown community, where, that, where it's standard for you to like fight and argue. Yeah. Um, but when you feel that you're, when you feel, again, back to the responsibility, that you're getting agitated, that your point is not being understood, take a step back and figure out a different way to say it even, or take a step back, go meditate, do some breath work, whatever you need to do to get yourself back to, uh, to baseline and to calm, mm -hmm. um, go do that. Um, but that's definitely something that I've learned um, and I've had the pleasure to like experience myself um, to know that it is possible. To know that you can do it, um, yes. and that and, and that we need to do it as a, as a community, in my opinion. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Thank you, thank you so much for for putting that out there. And I, I want to echo everything you just said. Mm -hmm. To me, communication is the primary issue I usually see when it comes to relationships of any kind, not just romantic, like parent to child, uh, friends, and romantic. It, it usually comes down to communication, not being understood, feeling like you're not being heard. And I love what you said. I would describe that under the, the umbrella of a pause skill. Yes. It's understanding your limits, right? Mm -hmm. Understanding that when I'm getting upset, I should probably not continue to keep engaging because I understand that I'm getting to my breaking point. And if I keep going, I might start saying things I don't mean, behaving in ways that I have to later go back and apologize for. Mm -hmm. And it's better to just avoid all that. And so, you, you know what? You can't take it back. <laughs> right. Let me let me just take a moment, collect myself. Maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a few minutes. Maybe it's an hour doing something that's going to help me to decompress for a period of time. Realize that this person is not understanding where I'm coming from. And I, like you said, I need to find another way to engage with them and be thoughtful because mm -hmm. I agree so much. The, the worst thing we can do in any relationship type is to withhold information. Mm hmm. You want to be honest about how you're feeling. You, we want to create these spaces where we can speak freely to each other. But it's also important that we, uh, as each individual, like you mentioned, feel the level of, I would say, duty and responsibility to each other to be transparent about whatever it is that we got going on. That, to me, is how we help prevent issues from occurring or from them getting out of hand in a mm. way that they don't have to. We don't have to yell. We don't got to scream. Nobody got their hands. Nothing mm. like that. None of those things have to be normalized. None of them. But it requires a certain level of intentionality. I have mm. to be able to say, you know what? And again, this is, uh, I'll, I'll use myself. Like if, if I was talking to my son or talking mm. to a partner or talking to my sibling, I care about you enough that I don't want to say things that I don't mean. I'm mm -hmm. getting quite upset right now. Let me take let me take a moment because I don't want things to get out of hand. 
that to me would be the responsible way to approach it. Because at the end of the day, when we have relationships with people, right? I would like to be able to say, I think this is fairly universal, that we want to be understood by them. Mm. Would you agree with that statement, Carlos? 100%. Okay. 100%. So if I know I want to be understood, then that means I need to really take my time and be thoughtful about mm. how I choose to express myself. Because my intention is not to hurt you. It's not to deceive you, lie to you, be insulting, anything like that. It's just because I want you to understand how I see things and how I feel. And I want to make sure that I'm doing the same to create the environment that you want to do the same with me. Mm -hmm. That would be healthy communication. It doesn't mean it's always that smooth. It's not going to be exactly the way I said it. I'm talking about the essence, the overarching theme. If, if we're going to communicate, that would be the way I would hope that we would all want to do it. Because if we're all being understood, there's really no reason to argue. Mm -hmm. There's really no reason to fight because I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from. Let's figure out how we can find compromise and collaborate so that we can continue to move forward. Right. 100%. I, I think that that's important. And that to me is the crux of what I see in a lot of the work I've done with clients and in my personal life that I've had to mm -hmm. recognize that I need somebody who is always going to be willing to give me that in return. Cause that's what I'm going to bring. Mm -hmm. And that's what we all need as the foundation, as you talked about, yeah. to have those types of relationships moving forward where it's not hostile, it's not tense. And then going back to why Carlos and I are here to help men be more comfortable with being vulnerable. Yep. Right. So we're here. And I, and I, and I, and I want to piggyback on, on something that you said, because I, I think it's important to highlight because it's easy to miss, but intention, intention is everything before, like when, whenever you go into, if you're having a hard conversation or you're going into, to talk to someone that you care about, mm. ask yourself, what's my intention for having this conversation? Cause that's going to give you clarity as to what, like what you, what the outcome uh, and also give you flexibility as to yeah. like what the outcome can be. Start with that intention. It's really important to realize like and ask yourself like what? Why am I having this conversation? Mm -hmm. If you if your if your intention is to make sure that say that to know that you're right, you should probably take a step back. <laughs> like if you're and and that's that's really important. Like intention really can dictate how a, a conversation flows um, and how much you actually can open up and and be your true self and how much how vulnerable you can be. Um, oh yeah, no. and you can even say it out loud. Honestly, I I, I would go into conversation and and let people know. So this is my intention for this conversation. I think it's yeah. important that way everyone understands why we're doing this. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Setting that you're setting the tone, essentially, right? So people know. Like if um, I usually give the example, like you know, most men don't want to hear the expression "we need to talk." <laughs> right. I mean, it can go both ways too. Women may not yeah. want to hear that either because you know it has that sort of under implicit understanding that this is going to probably be an uncomfortable conversation yeah. right but we don't go we don't often take the time and say you know what so today's the first right so on august 1st on monday uh i'm going to set some some, some time to the side we're going to have a conversation about being understood because i feel like some of the conversations we've been having recently it doesn't seem like you're really gasp grasping what i'm saying and it seems like i'm not grasping what you're saying so i want us to set aside some time and make sure we're really getting on the same page let's figure out where the disconnect is it'll work for you okay cool 
And then we're being intentional with that time. So that way we both know, hey, maybe I'm going to come prepare with some notes. So I'm going to say, well, this is where I felt like I was misunderstood. And then maybe this is where I felt like you, I misunderstood you and vice mm -hmm. versa. Productive dialogue. Like we're, we're setting our intentions and it's easier to follow along because you're not, a lot of times I've seen that people feel blindsided and it's not a fun feeling to feel like you're sort of being caught off guard with some conversations, some topics, maybe some past experiences that you may have thought weren't issues. And then they just kind of come up. Maybe it's m multiple in a row. Maybe you get like hit with a list of items and you're not prepared to discuss them because you didn't know that they were a problem. And I think that it's important to, again, setting the intention, let each other know, hey, we're going to have this time set to the side and we're really going to be intentional about discussing, you know, point by point, not all of them at once. Mm -hmm. Let's go through this point, make sure we're on the same page and then move to the next one and then to the next one. I think it's important to have that sort of systematic way of dealing with each other in terms of communication. So that way we're ultimately resolving more issues than we're just pointing out. Mm -hmm. and then having to kind of kick the can down the road and deal with it at a later time. Exactly. It, it, I just it, honestly, like by doing that, you just like literally piling up issue on top of issue. And then like you, when you look um, out, like, when you take a step back from the relationship, you start looking, it's like, oh, this is all issues. Like it's all problems. And and that's not what we want. That's not what we want. No. We want we want to make sure that our conversations are solution oriented and, 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 and focus on, on making progress. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it is just to be heard. Sometimes you're mm -hmm. having conversations with no particular agenda in mind. You're just like, I just need to be able to vent and share. It's just totally fine. But when mm -hmm. you're talking about uh, problem solving, yeah. as we were talking about, yeah, you got to come in with some sort of a playbook of how you're going to try to manage uh, each other in terms of being able to communicate effectively. I think that's very important. And, um, you know, to your point about in romantic relationships, I think it can be particularly challenging. And I, I want to make this one point because I feel like this comes up a lot based on what I've seen and what I've lived through is the idea that if we don't have a healthy type of communication where we exchange our thoughts freely and openly, that we leave each other to largely assume what the other person is mm -hmm. thinking. And unfortunately, that can lead us to develop feelings about that person that may or may not actually be based on accurate information, which mm -hmm. then may lead to behaviors that we end up displaying and demonstrating that are, again, not based on accurate feelings, which was also not based on accurate information. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a big advocate to make sure that we're being very clear with each other and as open and as honest as we can be as often as possible. So we're decreasing the likelihood as much as possible that we don't have to be trying to fill in the gaps with what we think this person is thinking, what we think this person is feeling, because it's really not fair. At no point in time in this discussion did I ever think, I know what Carlos is about to say. I know this is how Carlos feels because he's black and brown like me, right? So he must, he must be saying these things from this lens from this perspective. No, that would be my implicit bias doing all that talking. Yeah. Oh, well, we got to be similar. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of the stuff we've lived, blah, 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 Carlos, RJ, it's the same thing. Just swap the name out. No, we're two different people. There's some shared lived experience, sure. But there's also a lot of variation. None of us are monoliths from these communities that we come from. But there is some common understanding that we can at times have. But regardless, we don't want to be assuming 
what each other thinks and feels because that is really unfair to the other mm -hmm. person. You want to listen to them. Listen to them. Yeah. Take the time to sit across from them and ask them the questions with intention and allow them to thoughtfully respond. And then you thoughtfully respond. Don't just jump and say, man, while Carlos is talking, man, I got about five things I'm ready to hit him with. That's not, that's not listening. Mm -mm. That's just waiting to respond. And I'm doing it in a very reactionary type of way. Notice I said respond. I didn't mm -hmm. say react. If I'm reacting, I'm not even really digesting what Carlos said. I'm just going to hit him with it. Boom, I'm going to hit him with it. Instead of what this man just say to me? Maybe if I took the time to really digest that and really understand where the man's coming from, we can find points to connect on, to understand, to compromise on. And so I've, I've been trying to make it a very, very big point of this platform and, and both in my personal and professional life to really advocate that we take much more time to listen and understand each other and stop trying to assume for whatever reason when we maybe don't create the space to connect with each other Mm -hmm. or we're unwilling to, and then we end up filling in the gaps with our own thoughts and feelings. 100%, definitely. Speaking facts, again, just speaking facts. And honestly, to add to that, like, um, especially because we're in psychology field, like um, from a brain physiology perspective, um, it, when you're allowing yourself to react, uh, you're, using the, you're using like your old brain, you're using like the part of the brain that's not logical, basically. When you allow yourself to have those five seconds, 10 minutes, whatever time you need, and you actually use the prefrontal cortex, the actual part that allows you to be logical, that you can actually have a, a, a more productive conversation with that person and actually take a step mm -hmm. back to understand where they're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. And that's mm -hmm. why we sometimes we need that time, mm -hmm. you know, to collect ourselves so we don't get so emotionally charged mm -hmm. and get upset. But a lot of it, you know, again, from what I've seen, a lot of it is based on assumptions of what each other is saying. And sometimes, sometimes you can tell, like you can look at a person and tell they're not really listening to what you're saying because maybe they're being very animated in their facial expressions or they're doing a lot of head movements and all this mm. looking like they're just not, they're, they haven't really listened to what you said. They heard the words, but then they put their own, their bias put a, a meaning behind what you said instead of what did you mean when you said this? And I think that gets a lot of us in a situation where we probably are arguing and fighting when we really didn't have to, you no know, but, but, but I will make this other last quick point on that subject is we got to always have this room. I say to consider, not say that it's factual necessarily yeah. all the time, but consider be open. that we, that, right. Be open-minded that we could be wrong. Yeah. That I know I heard this. I know you said that. I know you behave this way. And that's how it appears to me. Again, bias. Hello. We all have mm -hmm. bias. It appears to me that way. But what if I'm wrong? Mm -hmm. What if Carlos didn't actually mean that when he said it that way? What if when Carlos behaved that way and the way I interpreted it, that wasn't his intention? What if, what if I was to just ask him, is this what you meant when you <laughs> said that? Is this what you meant when you mm -hmm. did that? Is that what you meant? Because mm -hmm. if it was wrong, it was like, you know what? And you're like, nay, no, 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 no. I don't know where you got that from, but that was not my intention. Mm 
oh, great. You know what I just did? I just saved myself from the negative feelings that I was probably going to have towards you and the behavior I was going to be. Maybe I was going to start being distant. Maybe mm -hmm. I was going to start being cold. Maybe Stop I was going to start up. being, yeah, be much more judgmental, less patient. All these things, I just avoided it all. Mm -hmm. So, And this openness also allows you to, um, like, this, uh, this is a question that I like, like to live my life by. Would you rather be right? Would you rather be happy? Facts. Facts, especially in talking about a romantic relationship or, or even in parenting, mm -hmm. I would say. Again, when I say assumptions, I mean across the board. Yes. Um, you're not always going to be right. And if you if you consider that fact, then you wouldn't then you would challenge the way that things appear to you. And again, I'm saying it like I'm still held to the same standard. I mm -hmm. have a bias just like everybody else does. When I see things, I think majority of the time it is the way it appears to me. Mm -hmm. But I also try to allow myself to challenge what it looks like. So, for example, let's say somebody seems like they're in a bad mood to you. And they might behave a little more distant. So, like, we're in the checkout aisle and the person kind of gives me, like, a look or they look kind of down, right? And I might make a snap judgment. Oh, they're a sad, miserable person, right? That's, that's what my bias says. You are looking down, but you kind of scruffed at me or grunted mm -hmm. at me. I could look at you and be like, yo, what the hell is the matter with you? Why are you, why are you acting like that? Mm -hmm. But had I taken a second and said, you know what? Maybe it wasn't about me. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's some stuff that they got going on, right? If I had talked to that person, not saying you have to talk to all these people, but mm -hmm. had I talked to them, maybe I might have realized that they just lost their home mm -hmm. or they just lost their job or their child is in the hospital. And so they're struggling right now just to make it day to day. That context matters. Now, you don't always get that context because you're not going to talk to every person to learn that about them. But if I just consider maybe this isn't the way it appears to me, maybe it's not. I can have more peace. I can be more patient. I can give more grace to people the same way that we want it because we all go through stuff, you know? Maybe I'm going to need that too. So let me make sure that I'm giving out here Mm -hmm. What I want to receive. Let me give it first. I want grace. So I'm going to give it to you. Mm -hmm. I want patience. So I'm going to give it to you. I want good understanding and good communication. So I'm going to give it to you. Yes. Not you give it to me and then I'll figure out what I'm going to get back to you. No, man, that's not how that works. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's one of those things that we need to be much more conscious of. Things aren't always the way they appear. And if we consider that maybe we're wrong sometimes, maybe we'll have less tension and, and friction in our lives uh, overall. I don't Definitely. know if you if you would agree with that. A hundred percent, you're right. Like we have to be open to be wrong. Like just be open like, and, and, and not be um, so attached to this idea. Like it is important for you to just allow it to happen. And, and, and it's important to remember that you, um, what you want to get, you got to give. Um, like Ajay said, it's important. Like that, that's really what it boils down to. Um, and yeah, honestly, you're, you're speaking facts, bro. Like, I don't have to tell you, you're speaking facts. Like, no, no it's thank not. you. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I mean, these are things I spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, because of the work I do. And then, you know, mm. combining that with my own lived experiences, I'm like, man, I just want us as people to just treat each other better. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easier if you look at it from a lens of, I want that from you. Mm. right so then let me consider giving that to you then first 
Like you don't gotta, you don't, I don't know you. So I don't, I don't want to expect the worst from you. I mean, some people do, but I don't want to expect the worst from you. Mm -hmm. So let me treat you like I would treat anybody else and give you that opportunity first, instead of assuming that you're going to do the worst by me. Mm -hmm. And maybe I might find that in the future, my interactions with people are generally more pleasant. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, maybe I find that I find that I'm kind of moving through life a little easier. I'm not like this rigid, tense, guarded, closed up, leave me alone. Don't talk to me. I don't want to talk to you. Maybe I don't have to do that. You know, I can be like, no, man, like talk to me. How's your day? What's going on? I like to do that with just random people. You can be in the grocery store and talking to the cashier or whatever, like just having that sort of disposition towards folks. I don't think it's impossible to do. It is hard. It does require intention to do so. But when you start doing it, I think it can lead to more peace than being so frustrated and, and guarded all the time. You know, I don't know if you've seen that in your lived experience yeah. or, or you uh, know people that are like that, but definitely, I definitely both. I know people and I used to be that same way myself. Um, and and I, it, it's important for us to like uh, search for that peace because, again, like what you put out is what you're going to get back. So if, if you're living in um, in distress, if you're living in um, in fear and in, in hate and whatever it is that you're living, yeah. you're most likely going to get that back from the people around you. They're, they're, and even if they don't mean to, even if they're not aware of it. Um, so it's important for us to be intentional and aware of, of what kind of energy we're putting out there. Um, it's it's necessary. So if you want people to be peaceful and be kind to you, then you've got to make sure you're doing that as well. Um, yes, and you got to, again, that goes, it goes back to making sure you fill up your cup and like search for that peace and make sure you take care of yourself first. It's going to be a lot easier to deal with, with difficult situations because I can assure you, you will have difficult situations in your life. Um, and what really matters is how we respond, again, the word respond to those situations. And it's important for us and, and our whole community to move away from reacting. Um, yes. Oh, yes. uh, and begin to respond. Even when things seem like they're not going to work out, even when things were tough, make sure that you're taking a, a, a few minutes, even days if you need, to make sure that you respond um, accordingly. Um, yeah. Because that's going to create a lot of peace in your life. Uh, it's going to create a lot of peace in the people in your life as well. No, nah, man. Preach, preach, preach. It's so important that we we think more about being, think about being responsive mm -hmm. instead of reactionary. Um, cause you know, reacting just allows us in that moment, you know, I, I think I, I hear people sometimes say, you know, like, well, it's just, you know, the emotions were high. So that's why I did what I did. It's like, yeah, I get it. I'm not saying I don't understand okay. how that happened. What I'm saying mm -hmm. is now, but then think about what happened after though. Then if this is somebody you value, right, this is how you should get people. If this is somebody you value, right now, you got to go back and apologize. Mm -hmm. Now they have some negative feelings towards you. Do you understand that you didn't have to have that happen? If you just kept yourself under control in terms of taking that moment, take that pause, if you need to, and say, you know what, Carlos, I'm really upset right now. I'm going to go take a walk, man. I'll, I'll be back and then we can finish this conversation if that's cool with you. All right, bet. I'm out. So that way I can go get some clarity, get some peace for a bit of time, come back, re-engage. Let's figure out where the discrepancy is. Let's figure out where we're not on the same page about this issue. And then no apologies needed. Glad we're able to work that out, bro. Mm. Appreciate you. Right? Not, 
I'm sorry I screamed at you. I'm sorry I insulted you. I'm sorry I called you this name. I'm sorry I hit your car. I'm sorry I, whatever other scenario you want to come up with. I don't have to apologize for none of that. I just say, I appreciate you for giving me the space to be open and honest with you. I'm glad we were able to figure out whatever that issue was. And let's, let's keep it moving forward. Mm-hmm. Way easier, man. And I, I, I want us to understand that. And, and yes, like you said, being reactionary. I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do. It's very mm-hmm. challenging. Something, response. <laughs> yeah, and so, some things happen. Some things are so heinous and so mm-hmm. traumatic that I get it. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about more often than not. We're not saying ever, but more often than not, let me choose to be responsive and not react. Mm-hmm. It's not we don't live in black or white thinking, as I would say, or, or everything or nothing. Mm-hmm. There's nuance. So more often than not, though, let me choose to be responsive because maybe it'll create more peace in my life, as Carlos said. But to bring it back to some positivity, some things that we are hopeful for, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you for your future, man, and for some of yeah. the goals and maybe ambitions that you have, what are some of the things, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, that you have your sights set on moving forward? I'm hyped. Okay. Uh, so first of all, I'm actually, um, for the next couple of years, I'm focused on... Um, Work, continue to work, continuing to work with um, the superfood company that I that I partnered last last year. Um, specifically, though, um, I've been stepping into the leadership uh, leadership position. Um, specifically, though, the Spanish leadership position, where I'm able to educate and train and coach other leaders in the Spanish community to share the message of health, oh, generational health and wealth with our communities, and do it in an effective way. Do it in a, in a way that uh, anyone can actually uh, understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way we can um, reach as many people as possible and help our communities get healthy and, and wealthy at the same time. Yes. Um, and, and using this vehicle, um, I'm actually working on starting my own profit um, that I'm going to be releasing next year. Um, I'm already talking to moms. I'm talking to um, other doctors and BCBAs where um, I'm going to be doing events here in the Valley um, that I'm going to record so they can be duplicated by other people all over the world. Got it. Um, where I'm going to be doing health and fitness with our, with our kiddos, um, because not everyone understands the verbiage, not everyone understands health and fitness, um, and that uh, as deeply as like a lot of the people that I know and a lot of people that I work with. So um, I'm I'm really excited to to get that going um, and get um, the events going here in the valley, um, awesome. and really just add value to our community and like you know promote health and fitness uh, within the autistic community because it's something that's not really common um mm-hmm. at all anywhere uh <laughs> you can say the us you can say the world it doesn't matter uh it's, it's it really is not not common yeah no that's beautiful man mm-hmm. and shout out to you for even being willing to do that type of work i know i certainly can say i, I know what it's like to be in a space where you're one of a very few uh, mm-hmm. in the majority uh, particularly in the field of mental health mm-hmm. and I can definitely appreciate, you know, where you're coming from and wanting to create that impact in the different unique ways that you have skill and experience and knowledge. And more importantly, you have the passion. You care about trying to help people from those communities and people who are struggling to manage maybe children who are suffering from autism and how to integrate them better into society and all these other challenges that come with when you have that type of diagnosis, right? 
So that's, that's, that's good that you care enough to want to do that type of work. And I'm sure if there's any opportunities to promote and support, you know, what you got going on that, you know, I definitely want you to come back and let's make sure, you know, we're all doing everything we can to support those types of missions because the work we're talking about is very hard. You know, none mm -hmm. of the stuff that we share today so is particularly <laughs> easy. You know, yeah. everything we laid out is like, mm, it's going to take a lot of work, mm -hmm. resources, professionals, people mm -hmm. who just care. So I'm very glad that you have found that type of calling. Uh, it seems similar to what I'm doing and that you're very motivated because I think we're going to need all the help that we can get. So I'm, I'm happy for you and proud that you are doing that type of work. I hope you keep your head up and, and keep focused on it as you yeah, move forward. I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah, it. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. Any closing thoughts or things that you want us or the audience to kind of leave us with before we call it a wrap? Um, I, I got to bring it back to um, something that I mentioned throughout the call. Um, if, if you get anything out of this call, um, as, as uh, a, a, a black male of color, um, is feel your feelings. Please, please, please feel your feelings. Um, find space, find the people that allow you to do that, but make sure that you are feeling your feelings. Because if you don't, then we're going to perpetuate all of this suffering and, and, and hate and, and pain that our communities have been experiencing for decades, if not hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. We need to move into healing and we and it's important for us and it starts with us and it starts with filling your cup first so feel your feelings absolutely man i could not say that any better that is definitely a place to start whether mm -hmm. you have a professional that you're working with or not also you can journal as a mm -hmm. part of feeling your feelings i think yes. that's definitely a great way to add to that but i thank you a lot for being here for making the time for being vulnerable you know that's largely like i said what the platform is about and hopefully normalizing these discussions more and more and more. Mm -hmm. I hope that if you're a listener or you're watching this right now and you've gained some value, please like this information, subscribe, promote it, encourage it across the board. I think it's very important. We're a very small minority within these minorities trying to have these discussions, engage with people that look like us. Not that again, that it's against anybody else, but it's really to speak to us because not a lot of us that do this type of work. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate you for being here, man. And I'm going to say that we are going to be signing off. So thank you all for listening and watching. I'm RJ. This is the IWS Podcast. And we're going to call it a wrap. Peace. Peace.